Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, an independent royalty consultant helping artists collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon and I work for Absolute Rights Management. Hi, I'm Stacey Haber and I'm co-owner of Inside Baseball Music Publishing. And today's topic is what are neighboring rights and what does IFR do? Music deals basically with two different copyrights. The composition copyright, which is the C in the circle, and the phonographic copyright, which is the P in the circle. The P in the circle is for the recording or the master, and the C in the circle is for the song, the songwriting, the lyrics and the music. And you will have a rights representative in a publisher for the C in the circle, and you'll have a rights representative in a record label for the P in the circle. And if you don't have one, then you're the publisher and you're the record label. And you should know that record label is usually referred to as rights holder. Once you get that straight, then you can start to understand what neighboring rights are. And neighboring rights are the public performance royalty right in the sound recording. So you have one in the composition as well. And if you live in the UK, it'll be collected by PRS. If you live in the US, it'll be collected by ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, or any of the others. But on the recording side, in the UK, it's through PPL. In the US, for the featured performer, it's through Sound Exchange. And for the session players and background performers, it'll be through the SAG-AFTRA fund. So who would receive public performance royalties? Say, for instance, a recording was played at a bar, what would the collections look like? Who would receive it? So I'm just curious how that income is collected. In the UK, then it would be split between the rights holder and the performer, 50-50. So if you've got one artist on there, then they would get the share of that. But if you've got a band, for example, then it's split equally. If you've got a main artist and session musicians, then that 50% is split between them and the rights holder will always get their 50%. And by performer, we mean anyone who made an audible contribution, anyone yeah. who made a noise. So it could be the triangle player as a non-featured performer. It could be someone who claps or who walks into the room and says something and they decide to leave it on the recording. I like that definition. Anybody that makes an audible contribution to a sound recording is the way that we should be thinking about it. That is PPL's definition of it. If you were a triangle player and you played the triangle on a sound recording, how would you go about claiming your performance royalties with PPL if you are a UK citizen? So if you're a triangle player, the first thing to do is to become a member of your local society. So in the UK, it's PPL. Become a member of PPL and log into your account and claim the contribution that you have made on said recording or recordings. So it's really easy if the label or the rights holder registers the recording first, because then you just claim it by clicking on it. If the label or rights holder hasn't registered that recording and that release yet, then you have to add all the information yourself and wait for them to register it, because you won't get paid until they've registered it. That's the main thing that people tend to miss with um, recordings is that it is the responsibility of the rights holder to, if you like, bank that recording. It has to be entered into the database to ensure that it's logged and it has to be done by the end of the year in which it was released to ensure that it captures the royalties for that year. 
So for example, PPL have just closed their year for 2020. So if you had a release uh, of a recording that had usage in 2020 and you hadn't registered it on their database by 31st of January 2021, you would have lost any income usage from last year. So you can start from this year, you know, from the 1st of January 2021, you can start collecting airplay income, but you would have lost out on last year's. So the rights holder has to enter onto the PPL database. Yeah, there's no backdating for the rights holder registration. There is for the performer side, but only backdated to the date of the registration of the recording. So don't, just don't leave the money in somebody else's pocket. Do it as soon as you can. Right, and as the artist, I would suggest that you are the closest to creating uh, and contributing to your work. So you know what recordings that you've contributed to. It's as easy as going onto PPL and looking in their database to see you know, what your percentages are looking like to claim your royalties. And it's easier in the UK. With PPL, it's for both featured performers and non-featured performers. So if you, you know, if you have a combination, you only have to register in one place. In other countries, there are different databases and different CMOs, collection management organizations. So take advantage. So let's talk about that. So other countries, collecting on neighboring rights is an international affair. But with certain countries, they don't collect on their terrestrial broadcast. It's the United States, which they don't recognize that as a right, but through sound exchange, you can collect on digital radio. Can we talk about how a U.S. person would go about collecting neighboring rights outside of the U.S. for terrestrial broadcasts or when their recordings are played in a bar or a restaurant or live venue? Uh, well, by terrestrial, you probably mean radio, AM, yeah. FM radio rather than digital radio. And they would have to register in another country or have a neighboring rights representative that can register them in other countries that do pay on it. And even if the performer doesn't get paid, if they're with a label that's international, then it will be collected for them in the other countries and passed through the label in the US. And some labels will pay it through to the performer and others will just keep it, which is naughty. Thankfully though, other countries are recognizing equality and equity. We are paying due to national treatment, U.S. persons, contributors to sound recordings on the public performance outside of the U.S. So just because the U.S. doesn't recognize that as like AM, FM radio, other countries are paying through to the U.S. Yeah, Canada has offered national treatment with the U.S. The EU is discussing it. UK might discuss it one day. The problem is that the U.S. doesn't recognize the phonographic copyright in pre-1972 recordings on a federal level. So because of that, they couldn't sign the Rome Treaty in 1961, I think it was. Yeah, um, 1961, 1962, early 60s. <laughs> and, so, and so that's the problem for the US with neighboring rights because it's not completely reciprocal. But if, you know, if the US wanted to change the law and start paying properly, it wouldn't be a problem anymore. It's constantly being reviewed. And as such, we always suggest that artists claim for all their contributions because every territory has its own anomaly. There are certain times where it is eligible and certain times when it isn't eligible. So if the claims are there, then at that stage that it is reviewed, then we're all good to go and nobody loses out basically. And to put things back in the perspective of how much money that we're talking about with neighboring rights in comparison to overall music industry, it's around $3 billion estimated of money that's being uh, generated from neighboring rights in comparison to the 20 billion that we are seeing overall as a recorded music industry. So it's a significant amount of money that is not 
as understood for most. Another point to um, ensure that everybody's aware is that it's quite, as Stacey mentioned earlier, quite often you can backdate your claims as well. Again, all societies are different. Some are just one year PPL, you can go back six years, others are up to 10, some are up to 10 years. So it's definitely worth ensuring that you compile a list of everything that you've worked on. It's a lot of admin work, but it's absolutely worthwhile to detail every single recording that you have featured on. And if it's too much for you, that's when the representatives come in and can do that for you because they, again, know how to seek out those recordings that are on the databases, Uh, not just the initial recording, all the different versions, all the remasters, absolutely everything you need to ensure that you're claimed on. And you know, finding a representative is useful because every country is different and every CMO, you know, PPL is in English. However, if you're going to another country, you don't speak that language, it might be a little bit difficult to administer your catalog in those countries. So another thing to keep in mind. That's really cool. That really good. And, and the really cool thing about neighboring rights is you don't have to do anything to earn them. Somebody else does something by playing your music in public. So the money is earned. Your only job then is to collect it. To add to your point also, Stacey, it's free for you to collect them. So really the onus is on you. We mentioned it's around $3 billion as a whole that we are discussing that may or may not be left on the table for you, depending on how accurate your administration is and how dedicated you are to collecting uh, your own income. And another thing to point out is don't just claim one role. If you've played keyboards, if you've programmed, if you've sung on the track, if you've played drums, if you've done everything, list every single role because PPL pay out on one role, but other societies pay out on two, maybe more. So it's always worth listing every single role that you've featured on. That's a really good point. The AFM SAG-AFTRA Fund has a website that you can go to right now and put in your last name and see if they have any royalties for you already that they're holding and you can go and claim them. There just might be money for you. I had a musician who he read a story on a lullaby album of rock lullabies, and he had no idea there was money sitting there. If you are a non-featured contributor to a sound recording, then Sound Exchange, 5% of their income is divvied to the AFM to be allocated to these types of contributors to these projects. So that is another area that is to be considered. I think we've covered the basics for now. I think it's the the main message is it's your money, go and get it, you know, don't leave it behind for somebody else. So what should somebody do to learn more about neighboring rights? Ah, They should go to the IFR website, ifr.co.uk. If you join and become a member, then you can go to the member section where there are webinars, tutorial videos, factoids, Q and A's, all the information you need is right there. 